Uh, all right, kid life, you are dismissed, right? Yeah, 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 kid life, you're dismissed. I was like, I, just, <laughs> I had to get visual confirmation first. Um, awesome, well, Merry Christmas. Everybody ready for Christmas? If you're excited, it's here, ready or not. Um, well, good, good, good. Well, we're going to continue in our series, Unwrapping Christmas. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit um, after our children, and man, they did such a great job. Um, uh, and so uh, last week we jumped in and um, so this week we're going to continue and this week we're going to look at the rewrap and so I'll talk about that more here in a minute um, but last week we talked about how Christmas is predictable uh, for us here 2018 we know Christmas is predictable we know um, everything that's that's going on we know how it happens how it leads up to it I talked about Halloween and then we've got uh, uh, from Halloween as soon as it's over we jump into Thanksgiving for just a minute I mean just just a blink and you'll miss Thanksgiving and then Black Friday comes and uh, Thanksgiving is in, in the rearview mirror long gone and then you've got after Black Friday I mean we're, we're full on Christmas now you got Hallmark Channel you've got the the Christmas songs on the radio just flooding us we're just bombarded and so we know the predictability of Christmas. We, we get it. We, we look at the calendar. We know, and, and it never fails. We know it's coming, but it always seems to sneak up on us, even though we've got everything trying to draw our attention to it. And so uh, we just talked about that a little bit. And then we also landed, though, in the scriptures with the people that were actually there that first Christmas and, and how those people that were in that story there in that moment, how it was anything but predictable. How it being the very first Christmas, this baby boy being born, how it was anything but predictable. And so we talked about how in the known world, Caesar was considered God. So in the Roman Empire, in this Roman world, as they're there, Caesar is looked at and viewed as a God. He's worshiped. He's, he's, he's considered God, but Christians in this time, what happens is with this baby boy being born, with Jesus being born, Christians rise up and they say, no, no, we are not gonna worship this little G God, we're gonna worship the one and true living God. And so I asked you last week, what is it that has captured your attention this Christmas? What is it that, that, that gets a hold of you this, this Christmas, this time of year, even this season? Is it the gifts? Is that something that just bombards you and grabs a hold of you? Is it, is it time off? Is it relationships? Is it sports? Is it jobs? Is it comfort? Because, man, we got bowl season coming up and our teams have got to do good and we've got all of this stuff that happens and takes place. And so what is it that's buying for your attention? Because hear me, church, everything is coming at us. Satan wants to use everything that he can to try to capture our attention, to try to derail us, every single thing that he can to get a hold of us and drag us away. And so the truth is anything can be a Caesar in your life. Anything can be a little G God in your life. So we have to watch closely. We have to guard our heart. We have to guard our affections and our attention. I mean, it does not just come at us. Could it not be the assault of commercials? Like I've got little boys and thank goodness like Disney Channel and all that stuff, that we, we, we Devo everything. And so we can just fast forward through the commercials because at this time, this is a nightmare for a parent this time of year, commercials, you know what I'm saying? Because every commercial on cartoon channels is just this, this assault on parents for Christmas. Uh, Dad, I need that. I'm like, buddy, it's a Barbie. <laughs> but it's a cool Barbie, Dad. I'm like, no, dude, no. I mean, every commercial, it doesn't matter what kind of toy or trinket or whatever it is, everything. For those little guys, I mean, it just, it flashes and they want it. But you know what I've learned? We're not much different, are we? And it's the same thing for us. I mean, it's an assault on us, is it not? 
I mean, all the commercials that start with, man, we need this, it just comes after us, this nice and new shiny thing, it entices us ever so slightly, and what does it do? It pulls us away from the one that should have our attention and devotion completely, does it not? We see the newest thing coming down the pike, and we think that we have to have it. So last week, I pressed you hard on just identifying what it might be that competes in your life for, that, for your attention, for your affection. What is it that competes against Jesus in your life? And so that's what we looked at. And so this week, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're gonna start out in Exodus 16, 4. Um, that's where we will be, and we're gonna land in the Christmas story, but we'll start in Exodus 16, 4, and we'll get there here in just a minute as you're turning there. It'll be on the screens for you as well. And so maybe the thing that we love so much about Christmas is the expectation of stuff, right? Even one of the love languages is gift giving. And so maybe, maybe for us in this room, or some of us, or a lot of us in this room, is that expectation of stuff. So, so who likes to get gifts? Uh, this isn't like, this isn't a trick question. I mean, who likes to get gifts? Yeah, I mean, Christmas, come on, man. Like, work with me here, all right? Yeah, me too. Like, we like gifts, right? We like to get gifts. We like, like to get stuff. And so Christmas is gifts and stuff. But hear me, church, Christmas is so much more than that. Christmas is Jesus. And so just a little, little poll real quick, now that we're kind of being interactive a little bit. Anybody make a list? Anybody got, got any listers out there that made lists? Yeah, don't, don't, don't. No, hey, there's no shame in this. That, okay, this is good. We want to get it out there. We want it to be known, yeah? Well, we did the same thing. We sat down with our boys, and we're like, okay, buddy, like what? What are some things that you're wanting? What are some things that you're thinking about? Some of that kind of stuff. And we make a list, and we look at it, help mom and dad out. And uh, what happens, what happens, though, if we don't get what's on our list? Ah, oh, disappointment, right? Devastation, especially for a little guy. Even maybe even in us. But, but I made the list, I put it out there. And so that what I've learned is this, is that the lead up to Christmas promises something special. Uh, the build up and the lead up to, to that point when we get to open or we get to see whatever it is, but in all reality, the days following are more of a letdown than anything else, are they not? Like, like I can remember as a kid, and my, my dad's here and he probably remembers some of this stuff. And so I can remember as a kid, and. Just doing the same thing, like, like we would get the Christmas catalog. We didn't have internet and all these cool commercials. We, we got like the, it was like the Sears Christmas catalog and I can remember the toy Sears Christmas catalog and we would open that sucker and we would circle and circle. It, it looked like, man, it like, looked like we, we'd bled all over it. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, like, you guys have got it good. I mean, like, you can email mom and dad a list. No, 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 we, we had to circle pictures, and we had to strategically place it where mom and dad could see it and get it. And so, just this build up. I can remember one year I wanted a, a G.I. Joe. Not a doll. That's not where Brody gets it. Not a doll. No, 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 no. It was a lean, mean, fighting action figure. That's what it was. And so I wanted some G.I. Joes, and I, I just, I, that was, my heart was set on that, and I can remember getting some of those guys, the real American hero, and just opening it, and I'd play with them. And then before the evening was over, I can't even remember where I put them. But I had to have them. I needed them so, so bad, so I thought, as a kid, so, so bad, that the deep longing that I had for, for that present didn't even deliver half of what I thought it would. And so as I thought about that, I was trying to remember what I asked for last Christmas. I mean, do you remember what you asked for last Christmas? Do you remember the list that you made last Christmas, that thing that you had to have, that thing that was so important, so needed? Confession time, I don't even remember what I got last Christmas. That I loved it, but I don't even remember what I got last Christmas. I mean, I was trying to think and I was trying to run through 
And I was just trying to think, what, did, what, what was on my list? What was it that I needed so desperately, so bad, so I thought, what, what was it that I had to have? And so there's always gonna be this pressure when Christmas Day is over, does it deliver? Does it truly deliver? Because what we know is this, everyone dreads January, right? You dread it because the vacations are over, family time is done, the gifts are over, the letdown or the excitement, whatever is passed. It's cold outside. We're gonna to start to get a little bit cooler outside. It's gonna be icy. We've got work schedules. We've got school starting back. Don't say that with the kids. That's dirty words in here. We've got all of that kind of stuff that's taking place and it's happening and it's coming. And so, um, oh, I gotta turn this thing off. It's maybe, yep. And so we've got all of that kind of stuff that's happening and coming for us. And so there's this huge letdown of what happens from Christmas. And so whatever it was that outshined or, or replaced the arrival of Jesus has now let us down and we feel empty. We feel empty. So do you remember your list from last year, what you had to have? And, and I would bet for most of us in this room this morning, or to some degree, that we've forgotten. That we can't quite remember and so what happens is this culture in this world plays on our desire for more. We want bigger, we want better, we want more, we want shiny. But my question is, does all that stuff deliver? Does all of that stuff truly deliver? And so we'll get back to our story from last week, but, but Exodus first, that's where we're gonna be. And so this is long before Jesus comes onto the scene, long before he, he's, he is here, and you've got Exodus 16, and we covered this about a year ago, and you've got the people of Israel, and what are they doing? They're in the desert, they're wandering. They've left Egypt, they've been in slavery and bondage, and they've, uh, they've complained, and they've cried out to God, and God has heard their cries, and God has sent a deliverer, and this deliverer has, uh, is executing the plan that God has, and he is delivering his people, and they're en route to this new land. And so they are in the desert wandering, and what happens? They become hungry. They get hungry, and so what do they do? They, they start to wonder why, what was this rush to leave Egypt? I know we were, we were slaves, we were in bondage, but at least we had enough food, at least there was, our basic needs were provided for. Yeah, we were abused and taken advantage of and mistreated, but at least we had what we, what we thought we needed. And so what do they do? Like every good people of God do, right? we start, start to complain. They start to fuss. And so that picks us up in Exodus 16, four. Look at what God's word says. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So what God does here is he wants to see if his people is gonna trust him. He wants to see if his people are gonna follow him, if his people are gonna be obedient to what he has said, what he has called them and required them to do. And so I just think this is a big point for us this morning, obedience. And so the most simplest of definitions I've ever heard, the simplest of definitions for obedience that I've got is just, is just simply this, all the way, right away with a happy heart. And so God was testing to see if his people are gonna be obedient. Are they gonna go all the way, do what I've called them and asked them and required them to do? immediately whenever I tell them to do it, and then is their motives gonna be right? And what do we learn about the people of God in this story, about uh, the, the Exodus? We learn that that's not the case, is it? That that doesn't happen, that that doesn't take place the way that God had called them to do it. So God says, and he tells them in this moment of their history, in their world, and just take what's necessary, that's it. Just what will sustain you for this moment, that's all I want you to take. That's all I want you to get. And so in that, what God was doing was this, asking this simple question. In this act, he was asking this simple question, do you really trust me? 
Do you, I have heard your cries. I've seen your afflictions. I'm rescuing you. I'm providing for you. And he goes on to do that over and over and over. But the question he is asking, the, the, the thing that he is getting to with these people is this, are you really going to trust me? This is a question I got for us this morning. Do you trust God? I mean, do you really, really trust him to the point where you do whatever he asks, whatever he says of you? And so we're good with the little things. Yeah, I can do this little thing. I can do that little thing. I can, yeah, I'm good with little things. But when it comes to being an inconvenience or difficult, then what do we seem to do? Then we kind of skirt around it, do we not? And you know what the thing that I've learned is the crazy thing from our side, whenever we define what's too difficult or, or, or too much that God would ask us to do, what may be too tough, it seems like that slider's always changing. It, it seems about how convenient is it gonna be for me to do this or how, how much of a, am I in that mood to do that right now or act that out right now or be obedient in that moment. And so it's kind of always changing back and forth my obedience. Am I gonna do this? Am I not gonna do this? Am I gonna uh, do what he's asked me to do? How difficult, how time-consuming, how, uh, what's it gonna be? And hear me, church, that's not obedience. Oh, no, that's not even close to it. Obedience is all the way right away with a happy heart. That's what obedience is. So do you trust him? Do you trust him? And we would say, yes, we trust him with our salvation. We'll trust, we'll trust him with the biggest thing in our life. But when it comes to the small things, and I know in our world, the small things may seem to be big and monumental, but with God, it's not the case. He wants our obedience. He wants our devotion. See, God's educating his people here. He's educating Israel on having enough and being okay with having enough. I believe the word for this would be content. And I believe this just flies in the face of our culture, does it not? Being okay with having enough, being okay in the, uh, being content with where we're at in life or where God's got us or what he's doing and so this whole thought of contentment, this whole thought of Israel just makes my mind jump to the Apostle Paul, where the Apostle Paul in Philippians, if you have your Bible, you can turn there, Philippians 4, if not, it'll be on the screen, uh, this story about where the Apostle Paul says some pretty hefty, weighty things when it comes to contentment. And, and, and look at what he says, Philippians 4, 11. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Content means satisfied. Content means okay. Content means like, I'm good, this is good. I can be here. I can hang out in this space. I can hang out in this place. God, this is where you've got me. I'm good with that. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be satisfied where God has got me. How many people talk like that today? How many people live like that today? Uh, God, I'm satisfied. I'm good. I'm, we're, I'm good with this. God, you've got me in this place, in this season of my life. I'm okay with that. We're never okay with where we're at. We're always looking to strive for more and go further and have more and accumulate more and do, do more, all of that kind of stuff. But Paul says, man, in whatever situation, I am content. I'm okay. I'm satisfied. Verse 12, he says this. He says, I know how to be brought low. And so the thought here is being satisfied and okay with the necessities. I've learned how to be brought low. So I've got food. I've got clothing. My daily needs are being met. I'm fine. I've learned how to be brought low. I've learned how to be in that situation or there, that circumstance. And then he says, I know how to abound. And the thought here is prosperity. The thought here is overflow. I've got more than enough. I'm, I've learned how to abound in a, in a lot. 
And then he says this, in, in, every in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so what Paul is saying, which I believe just coattails perfectly with Exodus and what God was trying to teach his people, I believe it just butts up really, really nice. Paul is saying that he knows how to make it in any of these places, whether he has a lot or whether he has nothing and just the stuff to make it today. He has learned how to be in that. And then what Paul does is he lets us know how this happens. And the verse we're gonna look at next is gonna be one of the most misquoted, misrepresented, mistaken out of context verses in the whole Bible. And this is what the Apostle Paul says, for I can do what? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. So sports fanatics, this bowl season when your team's down 40 points and there's two minutes left in the fourth quarter, you can quote that all you want, but that's not what that means. It doesn't mean that God's gonna give you a hope to get your team back in the game and win that championship with two minutes left and you're down 40. I mean, let's be realistic for a second, right? But we'll see that all the time quoted, won't we? We're in a difficult situation or a difficult circumstance or something rough's happening in life. Oh, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Yes and amen to that, but do you know what that means? Because there's verses that's before that that gives us context and allows us to know what's happening allows us to know what's going on. So what that means for Mr. Sports Guy, that your team's getting, getting whooped, and, and you come back out after halftime down 40, and you pray that, and you tell your team, and you coach, you get them together, and you give them that speech, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, and you get your team fired up, and then you get beat by 80, you know what that means? Just praise God we got our tails handed to us. That's what that means. That's what Paul's saying. I've learned to be content in every I'm content with getting, getting hosed by 80. I'm content whether I've got a lot or I don't have anything. That's what that, that's contentment. I'm okay. I'm satisfied. Well, because I can do all things through Christ Jesus because there is the, there's the answer to the situation and the problem. Jesus, whether my team gets beat, whether I lose everything, whether I have presence under the tree, whether my job's going good, whether I get that advancement, whether whatever the case is, at the end of the day, I've got Jesus and not one person can do a thing about that. Not one person can steal him from me. Not one person can take him from me. Not one person can derail that reality in my life at all. Nobody can touch Jesus in my life. Why? Because he's mine. He's claimed me. I belong to him. That's where the apostle Paul is at. Paul is saying that he had strength to withstand all things, including both difficulty and prosperity in this materialistic world. So Paul's saying that Jesus is enough for him. Paul's saying that Jesus is his everything. That's what the apostle Paul is saying. I've learned to be content with a lot. I've learned to be content with nothing. Because I've learned that I can do all things and anything in Christ Jesus because he's the one that gives me strength to, to press on and make it when I've got a ton and press on and make it when I've got nothing. I've learned to be satisfied in him. That's what I've learned. And the crazy thing is this season for us, what this culture and what this world has made it, anything but that. Anything but that. I mean, have you ever thought about it for a moment? The, li the list that you make and just kind of laughed at laughed at the list because we treat the list like their needs we, we treat the list like they're, they're have to haves they're, it, it's so funny because we try to teach our boys, boys a, a need and a want and for a six year old everything's a need 
And we're like, no, dude, that's not a need. A new football, football is not a need. A football, but did I need it? Do you? You won't survive without that football or that helmet or that toy or that trinket. Yeah. But it's crazy how, how often do we treat it the same way? Uh, the list that we make, the things, and, and Paul's just simply saying, I mean, I've, I've learned in any circumstance or any situation to be content, to be satisfied in Christ because honestly, he's all I need. He is all I need. And so God in Exodus is teaching Israel the same thing. He wanted them to trust him as he provided. That's what he wanted. He wanted them to be where Paul was. He wanted them to be satisfied and content. Oh, church, if we could ever get this point, if we could ever get to this place, how untouchable we would be as a church. So I know what you're thinking. Okay, Scott, reel it in. What does this have to do with Christmas? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Luke chapter 2.14. Luke 2.14, because there's something that's proclaimed here that I believe uh, uh, ties right in with what we're talking about, this thought of contentment and having everything that we need. Luke 2.14 says this, and the angels say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so there's a word used here in what the angels say, glory to God in the highest, uh, and on earth peace among those. And so peace here is not just the absence of war. That's not what they're declaring. See, peace is the presence of completeness. Peace is the presence of fulfillment. So Luke 2 is, te- is talking here about fulfillment and satisfaction coming as a result of God in the flesh. That's what's happening here. That's what the angels are declaring. That's what the angels are proclaiming. Man, there's completeness, there's fulfillment. How? In Jesus Christ being born. Uh, you don't have to have more stuff and more junk and accumulate and, and all of this. this st- the stuff don't matter. Uh, the stuff that matters is here for us now. I mean, peace on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. See, God was teaching them the difference between satisfaction and more. Completeness and more. See, satisfaction and fulfillment or peace, it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't come with More. It doesn't come with just getting more and accumulating more. It happens when we're dependent on Christ and satisfied in him. The most peace that you will ever, ever, ever have, and I will bet everything that I've got on this, the most peace that you will ever have in fulfillment that you will ever find is not with more stuff or things that you get at the store, but it's when you figure out who you are in Christ. When you rest at that place and in that reality that, that, that Jesus loves you, that Jesus cares for you, and there's absolutely nothing that you can do to make him love you anymore. So on the flip side of that, there's nothing that you can do to ever make him not love you or want you. Man, that's where peace comes from. Man, lay your head down on the pillow at night. Think about that. Forget about the tree. Forget about the guy in the red suit. Forget about that stuff. Think about for a moment the God of the universe says, I'm going to give, and I'm going to give myself in the form of, of a human and forth of, in form of flesh and blood, and I'm going to give what, what you can never, ever have or accomplish by yourself. And so I'm going to give my son, and my son is going to accomplish and do for you what you would never in a million years be able to do. No matter how big your bank account is, no matter how nice you think you are, no matter how good deeds that you do, that's what Jesus says. And so he's teaching them the difference between satisfaction and more. And it doesn't happen with more. It happens when we're dependent on Christ and we're satisfied in him when we see ourselves in light of the way that God sees us. And so we abandon all that we are and we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. That's where peace comes from. That is where 
peace is found. And so we see Jesus for who he is and what he has done for us by being born and by taking our place and dying for us. So for us, Christmas is not about uh, dependency, contentment, satisfaction. Those are probably some of the last things that's on our minds, some of the last things that's floating around or the things that we're trying to get. Christmas is a time where we are the most susceptible to forgetting about all this. I just believe Christmas is a time where we can take our eyes off so easily. I mean, my goodness, we're we are two days away. Two days away, the big guy comes. No, 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 the big guy, who cares about the big guy? Someone is about, we get so amped up about it. We get so fired up about it. We've got our traditions and stuff, but, but how many traditions rally around the word of God in reading that story? Rally around who Jesus Christ truly is. We forgot this, we've got to get that. And so we, we're so susceptible. It's so easy for us to fall into the flow of that. So what do we do? And so what I've learned is this, is that the Christian life is about action. The Christian life is about taking a step and acting out. We take steps, we fight, that's what we do. We do everything we can to fight against this. We do everything we can to remind ourselves that this, the real reason for why we gather here, the real reason for why we do anything that we do in this time of year that's what we, we fight against it. Like just a couple weeks ago, we, um, one of the things that my family likes to do is we like to, we like to go in with people or our small group or we like to sponsor a family. We like to, to give to those that, that are in need and need help. That's what we like to do. God has blessed us and has been so good to us. We wanna do some of those kinds of things. And so what had happened was, and God just kind of used this to stir us a little bit and to teach us. And so what's happened is last year, we had to get this toy for our oldest. He had to have this remote control car. And do you know what we did as good parents? We hid it, right? Because we don't want them to find it and know what we've got. And so about two months ago, our boys were playing hide and seek and they found it. Yeah, Santa comes all year long. You know? And so they pulled out like, what's this? Mom and dad do love us. And so we see it, right? Oh, and so we just kind of put it on the shelf and try to just downplay it and try to direct their attention to something else. Squirrel. And so, like, we, we just, you know, we just kind of, do, we try to get them away from it. But every once in a while, they'll trickle back in and they'll see it and they'll be reminded of it. And so what God let us do is because we, we, we want to teach and we want to try to ingrain things like that in, into our boys. And we, even for us, it's a reminder for us. And so in that moment, what we got to do is a couple weeks ago, we got to sit down with my boy and I sit down on the couch Little one's three, he don't have a clue. Uh, the six-year-old, he's six and he really don't have a clue either. But as I sat there and as I looked at him, as I started to talk to him, we pulled out the, we pulled out the Jeep remote control. I'm like, all right, buddy, this is what we're gonna do. He's like, we get to open it and play? I said, no, 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 no. I said, there's a family that's got a little boy like you that's not gonna be able to have a little truck this year. And I said, so why don't we do this? Why don't we give it to that family? Dad, are you sure? We've got a long way to go. I'm like, yeah, buddy, that, that would be good. He's like, can we at least play with it a little bit first to make sure it works? <laughs> Wicked little things, are they not? And I'm like, no, buddy, no, no, no. Let, let's leave it nice and new in the package and let's be able to give it to a family, to a little boy just like you that's not gonna be able to have one of these. I said, buddy, you can get one of these anytime you want it. I said, but this little guy. So we try to ingrain it. We try to teach. It's good to give it's so good to give and it's so good to give back and so we try to do stuff like that and, and, and so we've gotta be so careful because if not, I want the toy too. 
Let me try it out. God, can I try it out for a little bit first? But I've worked hard. I deserve it. Me, me, I've, I've, I've. And we'll get in that mode as well if we're not careful. So we've got to fight. We go against the culture of modern day Christmas and ask for less, demand less. Maybe that's what we do. We spend less time out shopping or cyber surfing and trying to figure out all the gifts. We spend less time doing all that, buying cheap things for people. Because hear me, hear me, your greatest gift is one day going to end up in a landfill. The greatest thing that you treasure most one day is going to be the junk that's going to be burnt. That's what it's going to be. And so we're going to give our heart, our life, our devotion over to that stuff. The stuff that doesn't last, the stuff that fades away. The, like you get that, right? That little toy that we give away that was a year is decomposing every day. It's breaking down every day. And it's just going to be junk and trash. And we're going to spend all of our time and all of our energy after stuff like that. He puzzle Paul says, I've learned to be content, man. I don't need stuff. I just, I just need Jesus is what I need. I just need Christ. So why do we fight? Why should we do this? Because my fear is this. For us as Christians, this time of the year, we tend to look a lot like the rest of the world. This time of the year, we start to look just as crazy as the world does and having to have bigger, having to have more, having to go after this. Have, I mean, the lines that we stand in, the things that we fight for, the, I, I mean, like, like a mama would hurt you if you took that toy from their baby. You know, like, like they had to, like they've worked so hard to get, like, like you, would, you could physically get hurt out there Christmas shopping. I, I mean, I mean like, like physical, physical stuff could happen to you out there. And you know what, I'm afraid it's the same thing for us. Same thing for us as believers, we act the same way. We may say that we want more emphasis on Jesus and less on Santa, but our actions, what do they do? They proclaim something much different than that, don't they? And I'd be willing to bet that we're all probably guilty of that. See, Christmas is supposed to be a call for us to look different. Christmas is supposed to be a call for us to be different, to act different, to be drastically different than the world. We should be driven by different desires. Our lives should reflect a different heart, but does it? See, God was concerned for his people here in Israel. God was concerned for his people. He didn't want them to get to a place where more and more and more and more and more and more, and more stuff would be their satisfaction. He wanted them to get to a place where it, was, where it was him was their satisfaction. I mean, God, I've got this need, not a want, but God, I've got this need and I've, I've got to make it, I've got to live. God, I need food, I need something to drink, I need, I need substance, not stuff, but substance. And God, you're that substance that I need not another remote control car, not another bike, not another this, not another that, but Jesus, I need you. That's where God wanted to get his people. That's where he wants to get us, is that, that he's enough. See, peace on earth and satisfaction on earth, it doesn't come with getting more things. It doesn't come with getting more stuff. It's with the relationship with God through his son, Jesus. So honestly, what's more important than peace? What's more important than peace? And I'm not talking about the peace stuff where everyone gets a puppy. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about peace with God. I'm talking about peace with the one that has power to redeem, forgive, make right, put you in a right standing. That's make you holy. That's the peace that I'm talking about. Regardless of what gift we give or don't give or get or don't get, the best present under the tree may help you forget about the chaos of life for a second, but God can settle it for all eternity. 
That little gift may help you forget about the, the, the craziness or how horrific this is or that is for a moment. But hear me, you're going to be just like me with the G.I. Joe. And at the end of the day, you're not going to have a clue where it's at. It's going to leave you just as empty as it did before you got it. Unless your hope and everything is found in Christ. Unless it's him. Unless it's him. See, Christmas is a call to trade getting for giving. That's what Christmas is. It's a call to trade getting more stuff and more stuff to giving as much as you can give. And so our prayer must be for a changed heart. We need to pray. Church, we've got to pray. Because hear me, everything in us is wired for me. My satisfaction, my wants, my gots to haves. I mean, think about it for just a moment. Everything that's, that's, that's pumped into us on TV or the internet just, just tells us and shows us how much more we need the next new thing coming. Only when we get it 10 minutes later, the next new thing's already been released, right? I mean, we, we know this. We, it comes at us and we see this. We can't buy into that. We've got to ask God to change our heart to help us be satisfied and content in him. Protect me, God. Shield me, God. Keep my heart uh, from devotion to something that will not satisfy, to something that will leave me. God, protect me, guard me, help me. And so what we have is this. God gives us the one thing that satisfies. Gives us the one thing that will complete us. And it's his son. And church, hear me, that is peace on earth. As the band comes back up, couple closing thoughts will you allow God to change the desire of your heart this year so that your life story will be like what Christ wants it to be for Christmas we just we just ask yourself that question what's the thing that I'm longing for this season what is the thing that I'm longing and have to have this year right now in this moment this relationship to be put back together, this thing, this promotion, this thing at work, this, this thing with my family's going on, or this, this and that, or this toy. I've got to have this toy or this trinket or this thing. Like, like what is it right now that's causing chaos in your life, that's causing you to, 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 to struggle to sleep at night? What is it that has owned you? What is it that has become a God in your life? Will you allow God through his word, through his son, to change your heart? Maybe another question to ask is this. What would peace look like for you this year? I mean, true peace. So maybe you're sitting in this place this morning and you don't know Jesus as Savior. And so hear me, there is no peace without him. I don't care how much stuff you get or how much money is in the account. or I don't, I don't care how great life seems to be. I mean, there is no peace without him. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big and bad you think you are. I don't care what you've got. And true peace comes in knowing Jesus Christ. And so maybe for you this morning in this place, God wants to save you. I mean, how cool would that be? And what'd you get for Christmas this year, Jesus? No, really, dude, what'd you get? No, really, Jesus. He rescued me and redeemed me from my sin. And I thought that I had peace. I thought that I had some cool stuff. I thought that I was doing okay. And God just swooped in and wrecked me. And the thing that I love about when God wrecks you, he always puts you back together. But when he puts you back together, he doesn't put you back together like we put ourselves back together. He puts us back together in such a way that we get to experience and have this peace. So maybe this morning that's, that's you in this place that you don't know Jesus as Savior. And so man, what a, great, what a great time and opportunity it would be to find that peace in Christ. And the last thing I would ask is this, man, what's keeping you from experiencing that? I mean, what thing do you just need to set aside? What, what thing do you just need to get rid of or get out of your mind or, or put away 
to get back to that place where you can experience what this season is really about. So, so for me and my family, this is what's going to look like over the next couple of days as we prepare for the, well, he's already come, but we prepare for, to celebrate Jesus' birth. We're going to read some books that point us in that direction. We're going to open up that children's storybook and we're going to read it. And I'm going to, man, I got to be careful because I can be preacher dad and I don't want to be preacher dad. I just want to be daddy and I want to open up that book and I just want to read the story of Christmas to him and I want to read stories and we're going to watch some movies that's going to be centered around that reality. We're going to do everything we can to just prepare our hearts for that. Because I mean, I'm just like anybody else, man. I, I, I want my boy's eyes to be this big and the smiles on their face to be this big Christmas morning. And as a dad, I will, I will go through him back to get them that toy, you know? Well, because I try to be a good dad. But is that really being a good dad? Man, because what kind of parent would I be if that's what stokes the fire in their heart and in my heart? And so I want to do everything I can to have those moments where we can gather around really what this time of the year is about. And so I want to do everything I can to try to start to set, set the foundation for that. Will they remember? I don't remember what it was like for me at six. I don't know. But I'm praying and I'm begging that God will get a hold of their little hearts and that something crazy and goofy that we did at Christmas to celebrate the reality of who Jesus Christ is will stick. And that maybe just later on down the line that that will be just the traditions that they make. Man, no, 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 I've got kids and, and maybe they'll, he'll say the same thing that I'm saying one day. Man, that's a win. So that's what I want to do. I want, and, and even focus my heart. Right? I mean, like, I can say the right things and I can act the right things and I can, I can do all that, but, but is my heart really in the place where I'm, I'm celebrating the birth of Jesus? I mean, I, I can go crazy dad and get all amped up about, yeah, he got that toy thingy jig. I mean, I can go there. And I'm gonna be honest with you, over the last uh, 23 days, I've done that. I've been at that place. And so even as I read this story, even as I look at this story, even as, as I start to pray and I ask God to, God to help me, just, stop, man, you know me, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm 80, like I'm, I'm all over, squirrel, tree, bird, plane, Superman, like I'm everywhere. So I'm just asking God, help me slow down and stop. Oh, God, help me. Help me slow down and stop. I mean, so my hope this morning is this, is one way that we can do that is through this. And you're like, Scott, what? What's this? Man, and I loved how you did this and led this over the years. But man, this is the manger, and with the manger, we've got the body and we've got the blood, which makes the person of Christ. And so we're gonna celebrate this morning who he is. And so what this is, this is a reminder. This is a reminder of what this time of year is really, really about. As we come to the table and we partake of the body and the blood of Christ, it's a reminder that he has been born and he has been born to take away the sins of man. He has been born to remind us that, man, we can be complete and we can be content in him and who he is and what he is. That's what this is. And my hope is maybe, and it's been a tradition here. And it started with you doing it like this. And I just, I love this. Because what this does is it just helps me slow down for a moment. It helps me this week reflect on who Christ is and what he has done for us. And so maybe for you this morning as they lead us here in a song, I just wanna read a scripture from you from uh, 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul says this in verse 27. He says, for whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. 
He says this, he says, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. He says that's why so many of you are weak and ill and some of you have even died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we'd not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And so maybe for us, what this time is gonna be is this, before we come and we partake, and, and I'll lead us in that here in a few moments, maybe it needs to be a time around the altar of remembering, of asking God to forgive you of sin, of asking God to just convict you of maybe the hoopla that Christmas brings with it. Maybe that's what it is, I don't know. Maybe you need to have some time of, of introspect just to kind of see, man, where is my heart? Where has it been? What is it longing for? And you just have that time where you just, man, you just examine yourself. So I don't know what God's done or what God's stirred in your heart. Maybe it's to be saved. Maybe it's some sin of, of the season that's just kind of come up. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I want to give you the opportunity to respond as God uh, would press upon your heart. So as they lead us, you be obedient. If you want to stand up and sing and worship, you stand up and sing and worship. If you want to come and pray for a little bit, you come and pray for a little bit and get your heart in that place where you can partake and you can be reminded of the peace that Jesus Christ brings. So God, help us in this place this morning to focus on you. God, help bring us back to the reality of what this time of year is about. God, I confess, man, I can get caught up in it. The lights and the stuff. So God, I just pray here in this moment, in this place, God, that you would convict and that you would draw. And God, thank you so much for being so loving, so gracious, so kind, so worthy, so holy. God, that you would ever so slightly remind us. And God, we can run to you. So God, I just pray in this moment that you would do a work in this place. Save the lost, convict us in our sin. Shall we pray? Amen. They're going to lead us. If you want to come pray, this altar is open. We'll partake in a few moments and I'll lead us through this. But, but you do whatever God leads you. I'm going to ask if you would stand and be obedient. Right away, all the way, a happy heart.